Well, good morning. Um, standing out here in practice has been interesting, uh, to say the least. I know one of the songs we're singing here in a few minutes is, says, uh, you know, rain down on us. And so we hope that does not happen, but we have had some uh, rain a little bit this morning. So anyways, Tom and Karen are out of town. And they're kind of just um, at a lake house, kind of relaxing. I know they were in um, over the weekend for Sue Ann's funeral. And uh, we just are glad when they're able to just get away and relax. And ministry can be so taxing, um, especially right now with everything going on. I'm in some Facebook groups, and it's, um, it's overwhelming at times. And there are actually a lot of ministers walking away from ministry right now. And I'm seeing it all the time um, in these groups. So just be praying for, you know, our staff at the church, our leaders, and not just our church, but all the churches in Lewis County and just across the world. Well, the last time I delivered a message, I was actually at Sam and Julie Howard's, and I was standing in front of the water, and it was a beautiful, windy morning, and just filming, and then brought it home, edit, recorded, um, and streamed it live. And so I thought that was going to have to happen again this morning, but we're here, and so we're glad to be here. And I am, I, for the last several months, I've been the person behind the video uh, technology, and so I just want to start out by saying I'm sorry for you all who have had to sit at home um, on days that we've went inside and there's been terrible broadcasting. We um, are doing our best. Each week we're trying to advance and learn so that we can make the experience better. If you're watching online right now or if you're going to be listening on WKKS radio here in a little bit, we hope that you have a better experience today. We're still having a little bit of lag in our video, but it's much better than what we've experienced over the last several weeks. So be patient. And I say that because we have purchased some new equipment. We've spent hours of YouTube videoing and just streaming, trying to figure out how we can make your all's experience better when we're not here. And I know that listening on the radio, watching um, online in your house is not the same experience as coming here. And we can all agree on that. And I think I could speak on behalf of the leadership here. We want nothing more than to be back inside. It, it's a lot of work doing this. It's a lot of um, kind of just unknowing. You know, even up till this morning, till now, we were not sure what this service would look like. And so um, we want to be inside, but we know the best thing we can do right now is to continue to meet outside because if we take, you know, the 170 people we had pre-COVID-19 and we would try to fit them in the building right now, it wouldn't work. And so we know that the best thing we can do is to meet outside because we don't have to have a limit right now. We can space out and we could fit as many people as wants to attend our service right here. And so um, we appreciate you all for being patient and um, cooperating with us on this. One of the things that I want us to do here is to think about what happens in a week for VCC. So I know there have been a few conversations. Um, what happens? What is the staff doing during COVID-19? What is um, you know, the leaders doing? What is actually happening at VCC? And I just want to give you a snippet of what happens on a weekly basis. So starting this evening, what will happen is there's going to be some text messages between elders, um, maybe some deacons, staff, uh, maybe even people in the church and trying to decide what can we do to improve our services next week? And that's starting this evening. 
Um, there's phone calls and texts, like maybe there's a concern from someone who says, hey, like you forgot to do this, or how can we do that better? And so um, not only that, what else starts happening on Sunday evening is typically John, Bev, Leslie, whoever's leading the service the following week, or maybe even two or three weeks out, they're spending their Sunday evening, like maybe in a basement at home, picking songs for the next few weeks. Not only that, they're practicing so that they could make sure that song's going to work for what we're doing here. They also have to try and figure this out because, you know, they have work Monday morning. And not only that, but you have to get all the songs to the praise team so that they can start listening, practicing, learning, and being ready for practice on Wednesday evening. If you think about Tom, you have to kind of consider what he has to do because in order to select the music and kind of what the theme's going to be, he kind of has to already know what he's going to be talking about for the most part. Sometimes that's a week out, sometimes that's two or three weeks out. And so he's already thinking about a theme. He's probably looking at concordances. He's looking at journals, um, articles. He's looking at commentaries. He's picking uh, jokes or whatever. And so there's a lot of work that's already going into doing a one-hour or 30-minute sermon prior to Wednesday night. Not only that, but sometimes the elders have already met. We've communicated and talked um, about what is Sunday going to be like? Are we going to be able to meet outside? Are we going to have to be inside? What exactly are we doing? Not only that, we're trying to figure out what can we be doing for our members. We have a group of people who are trying to reach out to the people who are attending here, just checking up on them. And this is all before Wednesday. Um, myself, I'm already thinking about Wednesday evening for youth. We've been meeting outside here, and um, I'm thinking about who's going to be helping I'm writing a lesson. Like, am I going to be able to do that lesson? Are we going to have music? Are we going to have sound equipment? Um, what kind of activities can we do? Samantha is um, doing her videos. She's planning what she's going to teach. She's recording. She's editing. She's posting. And um, that's not even, like, including us reaching out to our teenagers or the children or parents or just other people in the church seeing how things are going. If we stop and we think about what happens after Wednesday. And I have to also mention, before Wednesday, we have to think about Timmy or a Greg or a Brendan uh, who are he have to be here and make sure all the equipment that is out here right now is set back up on stage, hooked back up, tested, and running so that the practice on Wednesday will work fine. So before Wednesday, there's a lot of midday stops there's a lot of lunch breaks that are missed. There's a lot of sleepless nights. There's a lot of time away from family that goes into just stopping by here to make sure that our one-hour service works well. If we start thinking from Wednesday to Sunday, then you're thinking, again, we're still texting people. We're still messaging people. We're still tracking the weather, trying to decide what we're doing. Uh, you have... Um, a lot of that practice that continues to happen at home from our praise team. Let alone that, you have uh, people who are taking care of the grass, making sure the building is clean. You have communion being prepped. You have conversations of who's going to do what in the service. And, you know, for a morning like today at 9 a.m., you have Timmy and some others sometimes who are here at least 6.30 in the morning setting everything up. If it rains, it kind of delays things and pushes things back. And that's all has to happen before the 7.30 a.m. praise team practice. 
There's a lot of setting up equipment for video and sound running back and forth. And so I know some of you are probably like, okay, we get it. Like there's a lot that happens and that's just a snippet. And so I personally want to say thank you to all of you who are here helping. There's some of you doing things behind the scene that I don't realize. There are people who are balancing the checkbooks that we don't even think about. And there's so much, and I want to say thank you to each of you. I notice you, and I know that leadership notices you, and we could not make this happen without you. If we think, you know, just the page staff here, like the, the three ministers on staff here could not pull this off by ourselves. And so we appreciate you so much. Now, you may be wondering, okay, when are you going to say something that's going to speak to me, that matters to me, uh, that like I came here for? And I just want to stop and say, I know this is kind of very blunt, but it's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about the staff here. It's not about the leadership. And it's not even about Vanceburg Christian Church. We gather here to worship Christ, and that's all that we should be focusing on. And so we are going to go into this time where we're talking about um, ourselves. And so I hope that thinking about how we connect to Jesus and how we connect to church, that you can evaluate who you are and where you've been, especially during COVID-19. And so I'm titling this sermon, There's an Elephant in Our Wardrobe. And so hopefully you'll understand what that means and what that looks like and kind of talking about that um, the, the cloak that we wear represents us and it represents Christ. And that sometimes by bumping into um, an elephant, maybe we don't quite understand or see the whole picture. And so if you want to follow along on an app, you're welcome to. I'm going to have several different verses that we're going to be looking at. But the first one we're going to look at is Matthew 18, verse 20. And this is kind of a common verse we hear, uh, especially in a service when we gather together. And it says, For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. I was recently reading a book that this author had spoke about Jesus. And it talks about how Jesus was always ready for a party. And I'm not saying that like a party, you know, that some teenagers, college students would go to, but he was just ready for a gathering. And the author kind of pointed out that Jesus was actually born at a party. If you don't know the story very well, but like when Jesus was born, there was this moment where this like glorious light shined. And people had noticed it. And so there's kind of like this light show that took place. There were people with gifts on their way and showing up to this baby to celebrate. The angels were rejoicing and singing. And so even from the beginning, Jesus has this party and has these people gathered around and it kind of sparks something. We continue to watch his story and his ministry. You see that um, he was ready for a dinner party. There's many times when he sits down and he's eating with people. He had moments where, um, for example, the first miracle that we see recorded, Jesus turns water into wine and he's at a wedding. He's around people. He uh, continues. He talks about parties. For example, he tells about the story of the prodigal son when um, the father has the son who runs away and he throws a party because the son's coming home. And so he even talks about it. The night before Jesus died, what happened? He has this gathering. He has kind of a party where um, he gets his staff. You know, the disciples are coming together and they're uh, probably singing and they're dining together and he is gathered with them. 
Not only to the point when he dies, but when he comes back, this author explains that uh, Jesus has this fish barbecue on the seashore. And he's there with people. And so it's easy for us to look at this verse in Matthew 18, 20 and say, gosh, Jesus is here. And so if you're watching online, if you're listening to the radio or you're here, I want to say that Jesus is here. You might be sitting at home in your pajamas right now watching us, and you might think, how is that possible? Because I'm here by myself, but you are here with us right now, and we're gathered, and Jesus is here. And sometimes we come together in a gathering, and we forget that this is a party. We're eager to come and say, well, that service wasn't that good. We're eager to come and um, kind of just, well, that music didn't really speak to me. Well, that sermon it wasn't really what I enjoyed, but Jesus is here. Like, I think we forget about that. Like, he's among us. Like, what would your attitude be if Jesus walked in off the street right now? And I think we need to have that same attitude when we gather together here, when we gather together uh, at home. And I don't know about you, but I kind of enjoy watching, like, church services in my pajamas and eating cereal. And, like, I'm okay with that. And sometimes that's what has to happen. But if we look at this section of Scripture... It's not really talking about us gathering together. It's actually this moment where it's like two believers, and um, it, he's saying, hey, guys, like, some of you aren't getting along. Some of you are, have moments where you're disagreeing, and, like, you're not representing who I am. And he kind of reminds them, and he kind of has this moment where, hey, like, you are sinning. You are going against me. Like, you all need to get over yourself Fix what's going on, and let's go. Let's have this party. Let's gather together. And right now, it's so easy to have a lot of that going on. We can go to social media and see instantly when believers are disagreeing. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but I'm just saying that Jesus kind of tells people, be cautious. And he's ready for a party, though. And so... uh, I want us to like feel like we're at a party. That's a kind of quiet party. I mean, I'm speaking, but like we're going to have music in a few minutes. Like if you can, like I want you to stand up if you want to clap, if you want to dance, like if you want to sing, we're at a party. And Jesus is here. And so when we think about what Jesus is saying, he's saying, "Guys, be cautious with what you say and who you're representing. If we look just at Facebook, we see so many different opinions. Do you wear a mask? Do you not wear a mask? Who, what lives matter? We start like, which political party is correct? Which one's not? We start like arguing over things that are so not important when we're Christians. Now, I'm not saying that these things that are going on in the world are not important because I wholeheartedly agree that there's some big things that are going on and that's important. Psalm 109, the author is talking here, and he has this moment where someone has come at him verbally. And he talks about this hatred, and he kind of has this moment where he's praying. And um, we're going to read 17 through 19. It says, starting in verse 17, Psalm 109, He loved to pronounce a curse... May it come back on him. He found no pleasure in blessing. May it be far from him. 
He wore cursing as his garment. It entered into his body like water, into his bones like oil. May it be like a cloak wrapped around him, like a belt tied forever around him. May this be the Lord's payment to, our, to my accuser, to those who speak evil to me, or of me. I see this and I'm starting to think, wait, like this is the psalmist who wrote this and he's sitting here, if you continue to read and you read prior to this, he says, you know, hey God, like I wish that this guy's children would be fatherless. Like, are we really like at the point where we're praying for those kind of things? Like, when we look at social media right now, there are some comments and some posts that are made that are pretty much wishing that up on people. And he wants his accuser to, like, just vanish. He's so angry. And if we go back to, and we look at what Matthew is saying here, like, what it's being said in Matthew is that, hey, like, it's kind of the same thing. We're disagreeing. Some things have been said that probably may, maybe shouldn't have. But like, hey, let's gather together. Let's s- figure this out. But he says here, and I really like this in verse 19, he said, may it be like a cloak wrapped around him, like a belt tied forever around him. And he says, everything that he has said about me, like, I want him to put that on as if it was his jacket and he's going to wear that around so everyone that talks to him, everyone who interacts with him is going to see what he thinks and what he says. And I have a question. What if everything we said to others during this pandemic about anything, whether it was a text message, a phone call, a tweet, maybe a Facebook post, um, or a comment somewhere, what if everything that we have been saying was wrapped around us like a cloak? That everything you have said, we see it. Everything that you said, like, he's saying, like, like a belt that is forever around him, like, that's not going away, like, it goes with you. And so, I have a question. What would your wardrobe look like? What would your wardrobe look like right now if everything you've said, your attitudes, the way you spoke about others... What if you had to wear that and you hang it up at night in your wardrobe? What would it look like? What kind of hate would you be wearing around? What would you be portraying to others about your beliefs as a Christian? What percentage of that wardrobe and the cloaks hanging in it would resemble Christ? Because according to social media, according to the things going on right now in the world, I think it would be a very slim percentage of Christ hanging in our wardrobes. And I'm not saying this is everybody, but even for myself, like some of our thoughts, some of the things that we have like engulfed ourselves with right now does not represent Christ. In Romans 13, 14, it says, Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh. And so we're told to clothe yourself with Jesus and do not look like what the flesh looks like. Every time we go to social media, every time we have this rant about someone that we disagree with, we're taking off the cloak of Christ and we're putting on the cloak of the world. And we hang it up in our closet so proudly. But then there's the other part, we'll say, you know, on Sundays, when I'm around certain people, I'm going to put on the cloak of Christ and that's enough to get me into heaven. It's enough to, to like just make me appear to be well. 
And so how can we look like Jesus when we're putting others down? Did Jesus do that? Actually, in one of the books I've been reading, it talks about how Jesus was actually very rarely negative. He was always positive. Even some of the things that we might think were kind of negative, he would like turn it into a positive light and said, hey guys, like I'm telling you this because I love you. Like I'm going to die for you and I'm willing to do that. So hey, like let's straighten up a little bit. How can we look like Jesus when we feel the need to argue with every single person who has a different view than we do? Like, I wonder what Jesus would think when he has conversations with us, when he would see these posts and he says, aren't you a Christian? Aren't you like someone that claims to follow me, but like I don't represent this at all? Our in-person parties have kind of been limited to quarantine, rain, and even heat. And there are studies that are showing that approximately 40%, all right, 40% of people who were attending church and claimed to be Christians at church, um, that 40% of them pre-COVID will not return now. And so just looking at that and looking at everybody and how people were acting, like, I think we're kind of getting our priorities all mixed up. I think we were losing sight of who Christ is and what we should be doing. It's easy for the world to kind of come around us. And so, over the last, last four months or so, we found people in three, one of three positions. If you think about it on a, 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 like a swinging bridge, you have people on the left side of the bridge, You have some people in the middle, and you have people on the right side, and the people on both ends have their big machetes, and they're just hacking away at the rope because they're afraid to go to the other side. They're afraid to go in the middle because they don't want to budge from their view. You know what Jesus would have done? I think he would have been right in the middle, if not going back and forth and saying, hey guys, you can have your views, you can have your opinions, but don't force it on other people. Like, we can all probably agree that, you know, we're not going to believe some of the same things. There's some theology that we're just not going to have the same, and that's okay. But the one thing we can agree on is that Jesus died, and he died because he was trying to bridge that gap between the bridge. And he was saying, hey guys, it's okay. It's okay to talk to people who are on the left side. It's okay to talk to people on the right side. But it doesn't mean that we have to necessarily meet each other's agenda. But what we can be doing is we can be crossing the other side and saying, hey, we may not agree, but let me tell you about Jesus. Let me like use my voice for the thing that does matter. And, you know, we need to stop wasting our time on things that doesn't even matter. And once again, I'm not saying that the issues of the world doesn't matter. I'm just thinking that as Christians, our main concern should be sharing who Jesus is with others. And the thing about Jesus is that he refused to engage in meaningless debates with people who wanted to not learn but to argue. He just didn't do it. So why do we? Why do we waste our time continuing to argue with people who have different views than us? Now, we can disagree, and that's fine. Uh, There's an old adage that says, if you want to defend them, distract them. And I think that's exactly what Satan has done right now. 
He's distracted the church. And I'm not talking about Vanceboro Christian Church. I'm talking about the church, the global church. And he's distracted so many Christians, and he's put us into a, 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 an opportunity where he is getting each of us to argue with our fellow believers about things that is not Christ-like, about things that is not heavenly, and that is not kingdom-building. And he's continuing to distract each of us in a way that is working. And so, I think it's time for us as a church, as Christians, to rise up and to start looking like Jesus in a time when there are hurting people. There are people who look at our posts and say, I thought they were a Christian. Like, there are people who are claiming to be atheists and walking away from the church because there are too many people claiming to be Christians and they're not walking the faith. They're not looking like Christ. And they say, they're being hypocritical. The Jesus that they read about in the Bible doesn't look like the Jesus that we portray. And so, can we not start looking like Jesus in a world that needs it the most? What would happen? What would happen if Christians started looking like some of the protests? And we got that excited about Jesus that we said, I'm willing to go out in the streets and protest his name? What would happen if we flock social media and we start saying, hey, there's a Jesus that I want you to know instead of arguing and ranting on about things that don't matter? What happens if we actually start wearing the cloak that looks like forgiveness and love? Because that's what Jesus, everywhere he went, he wore the cloak of forgiveness and love. There's a group of blind men who once encountered an elephant. Each man bumped up against a different part of the elephant, and they each declared that he knew what the elephant was like. And, in fact, they were all correct that the part that they bumped into did explain that elephant, but they were also wrong in the fact that they thought because the one portion of that elephant that they experienced, they had this full understanding of what the elephant was like. And I think sometimes it's what happens in the church. I think that's what happens in the world. That's what happens in the news. We experience our portion of whatever's going on, and we feel the need to say, we know what it's about. We know exactly what it's like. You know, if we start saying these kind of things, we could look and say, you know, I, I understand youth ministry. And we might have a conversation about that, and you say, you don't understand youth ministry at all because that's not what the church looks like. Because you didn't experience that portion of it, but I have. And so our elephants kind of become broad, but one of the things we can agree on as Christians is that that elephant is Jesus. Each of us might have a different experience. Each of us might have a different moment, but we can all agree that Jesus is alive. And so how can you know what Jesus is like when you only listen to false prophets? How can you know what Jesus is like when you look at Christians who don't really live out the gospel? How can we know what Christians expect when you only listen to people who bash Christians? Sometimes we only experience one portion of the world, and we feel that we know all about it. And so I think it's time for the church and Christians to rise up and start seeing Jesus for who he is. You may only understand a portion of what Jesus is like, and I want to encourage you to do a couple things. I want to encourage you to download some podcasts. It doesn't have to be Vance for Christian Church. There are a lot of great podcasts with a lot of great 
speakers who are out there who are professing the name of Jesus and who are doing in-depth Bible studies. Download a podcast. You know, like, I enjoy, like, when I'm mowing to put headphones in, listen to a podcast. If I'm out in the garage, like, I'll put in some worship music and, like, just sing along. Um, Like, there are moments that we can continue to grow outside of this one hour together. And so, I think it's time for us to continue to put on the cloak of Christ. I think it's time for us to go to our wardrobes and start taking out the things of the world and start hanging up Christ and start resembling Christ. And so, as Christians, as believers, it's our duty to put on the cloak of Christ. I'm not saying just to have that Sunday outfit. I'm saying like Monday morning when you wake up and you're kind of in a terrible mood and everyone at work has to experience that. Like, I understand. I've been there. Like, we have those moments, but we also have to remember that I'm wearing the cloak of Christ. And I'm not saying just to put on the cloak to resemble Christ. I'm saying put on the cloak and actually be Christ. Be the church and step up and start being like Jesus. The worship team is going to come up and Another thing that you might be able to do during this time and you just, as you want to grow is to go and get a journal. It could just be any kind of journal and I encourage you to do this and start like picking a scripture a day. Write that scripture in there, read it, and create a prayer journal. And I find that for myself sometimes it's easy to like slip away from prayer to slip away from church when we're not here, we're not involved. And one of the things I've found is that as I sit down and I can write down my prayer, I don't lose who I am as much. I don't lose who Christ is. And so, uh, if you are a Christian, what I, I have to say to you is, let's step up. Let's gather together, whether we're here, whether we're at home, whether we're anywhere else, and start looking like the church. Let's start representing the church on social media. Let's start representing the church at work tomorrow. Let's start representing the church everywhere we go because there's a world that is broken right now that needs Jesus the most. And so maybe you've never accepted Jesus in your life. Maybe you've never had a moment where you have said, I want Jesus to be a part of my wardrobe. We invite you to, to put on that cloak this morning. We invite you, we'll come forward, we'll put on masks, and give your life to Jesus. We invite you to, uh, to be baptized. We still have the baptistry open. We can go to a swimming pool. Like We invite you to do that. If you are a Christian, and you've kind of been living in the world, and your wardrobe is kind of has this elephant hanging in, it, in there where you only feel like there's a portion of that elephant that you know, then we ask that you get to know the whole elephant, get to know Jesus and start learning. And so, wherever you're at, and whoever you are, we challenge you to rise up and to evaluate the things that are hanging in your wardrobe. So as we sing, if you uh, have a decision, we invite you to come forward, but